Hey guys, welcome to my channel. My name is Dr. Tom LeHue and um, we talk about all kinds of things related to the Enneagram here. We're going to be looking at type 7. Uh, one of my favorite types because I am a type 7. So this is the only one that I can really speak about with any kind of internal knowledge or internal processing about. We're going to be looking at this book, uh, The Enneagram Guide to Waking Up by Beatrice Chestnut. Um, and she talks about several key patterns of type 7s. We're going to be looking at one of those today. The, uh, the need for multiple options. And before we get started, just a reminder that in the description below is a link to my website, TomLahue.com, where you can book Enneagram coaching appointments for yourself or uh, you as a couple if you need any kind of relationship encouragement. The Enneagram is a really helpful tool for helping us not only know more about ourselves, but also how to get along with the people in our life that we can't get away from. And so I'd love to meet with you and talk to you and help you figure out what your type is or help you figure out a little bit more about what balance and health would look like for you. Maybe you feel stuck in life. Whatever I can do to help, I'm here for you. Also, uh, on my website is a, um, uh, a page about the certificate programs and classes that I'm offering. And uh, I've got some new things coming, so uh, you know, continue to watch the website and I'll let you know uh, as, we, as we offer new courses or new platforms to make those courses more available to you. Um, so if you want to know more about coaching people or using the Enneagram in your own relationships or helping others, um, I would love for you to sign up for one of those classes. And um, there is a, another page on my website about having me come and speak at events. So if you would like for me to come and do a team training or staff training or marriage retreat or, or you love the Enneagram and you want uh, it uh, to be implemented in the place of work, that you work, um, I would love to come and do staff trainings or team trainings or seminars or corporate seminars, um, whatever I can do to help you guys get the Enneagram out um, and raise people's awareness so that we can be more present to life, more uh, uh, agreeable with each other and get along better. Okay, so let's jump into today's information. We're gonna be talking about type sevens and the need for multiple options. And I suppose that probably everybody to some degree would, would want to have a, you know, uh, more than one option. We love choices. I mean, look at a grocery store. When you walk in and you look at all those different kinds of potato chips or all those different kinds of cookies or crackers, um, it's, it's obvious that uh, at least Americans love to have a variety of choices. Um, and having multiple options can feel like a really good thing uh, for most of us, uh, but with sevens, it's a little bit stronger than that. A, a fear, you might say, of being stuck with limited options. And this can make it hard for several things in life. For example, like creating a calendar or creating a schedule. You might not see seven as a fear type at first because they don't look afraid. They look like they're have all kinds of energy and all kinds of enthusiasm about life, but just uh, try to pin them down and make them make a decision about something. Um, try to make them uh, decide, you know, what are you going to do on Tuesday? What are you going to do this Wednesday? Are you okay with being scheduled on this day? And, you know, once you put your name on a schedule or once you agree to a schedule, then you're, in a sense, you are removing all other possibilities of what you're going to do that day. And so if I sign up to help, 
uh, at the charity, the local charity on Thursday night, then that means I'm saying no to whatever else might be coming along or whatever other opportunities might be coming up that might be more exciting, more fun, more engaging, and just signing your name down and making a decision about where and when you're going to be, which seems like a very easy thing for most people, could at times be problematic for type 7s because as soon as I put my name down that I'm going to be at this location or I'm going to do this appointment or I'm going to be at this meeting, then I am saying that that is in fact what I'm going to do. And although sevens are always looking for something to do, they may at times resist putting their name down to actually commit to something to do. That's not saying that sevens can't be committed. It's just maybe commitment means a little bit more sacrifice to sevens than it might mean to some of the other types because they're very aware of what they're saying no to or what they're giving up in order to agree to an event or in order to agree to give you give you their time all right let's see what she says she says you may notice as a seven that you have a need for many options a need for many options um now i know with myself i tend to try to limit this because a lot of options can create a lot of anxiety you know for example if you wore a tie every day and uh, a lot of people don't wear ties every day. Some business people do, some funeral home workers and maybe some lawyers and important people, you know, wear ties every day. Um, and if, if you had a closet, just imagine you had a closet and you only had, let's say, maybe three or four suits and all you had were white shirts or maybe a few light blue shirts, but you had a hundred different ties. Okay, now that feels like a good thing especially for a seven, to have a lot of different options. Oh, I want all kinds of options because I don't know what mood I might feel like I'm in that day. And I want the tie, you know, to either reflect the mood I'm in or maybe to help me change the mood I'm in. And so I want bright ones. I want some conservative looking ones. I want some that are just whimsical. Remember in the 90s, you guys that were there in the 90s, it, you know, we had ties with Bugs Bunny on them or Elmo and... Tweety Bird and all these kinds of, you know, kind of comical ties. But maybe you have a few of those. Um, imagine going into a closet and there's three or four suits and three or four different shirt options, but there's a hundred different ties. Now that feels like such a great thing to a seven to have lots of different options. But I want you to see that there is a certain level of anxiety that is raised when you have to make that choice. You can't just walk into your closet now and pick one of four different ties. Um, how do you know which one you're going to pick? And so this could become one of those things that feels like a good thing at the time, but can actually create anxiety frustration, challenges, difficulties, because you may find yourself staring. Now, I get it. This is kind of ridiculous. Oh, first world problems. I can't tell what tie I want. But it, see, it doesn't end with ties. It starts with ties. And then you move on, and now you have to make a choice about Maybe you have different kinds of socks and you become a sock collector and you got brown socks and dark socks and socks with cartoon characters and socks with, you know, logos on them. And then maybe you have 50 different fragrances and now you have to choose between that and you've got 
you know, 50 different podcasts you listen to on the way to work. And now you have to choose because you don't want to miss out. You don't want to miss out on something that might be better. You don't want to miss out on something that might be fantastic or wonderful that you don't know about, something you want to experience. So you want to keep all your options open. But I just want you to see that sometimes this need for multiple options can create problems or could become problematic because if every decision I make, I have to sort through 50 different options, 50 different ties or 100 different ties and, you know, 15 different suits and 30 different colored shirts and um, 50 different fragrances and, you know, 14 different kinds of soap in the shower. I've got my bergamot soap. I got my charcoal and pine tar soap. I've got my and, and all the different makers, I need to know, you know, what the differences are between all these different soap products. To some of you guys that are not sevens, this probably sounds like people don't really do that. Do they really do that? And if you're a seven, then you probably, you know, you probably understand what I'm saying. This can create a certain level of added anxiety in your life. It feels like it's the right thing to do, but I just want you to see that over and over again, what do we see with the Enneagram? It shows you that you have certain predictable impulses and compulsions that often work for you in life, but can at times make life more problematic, more challenging, and make it more difficult for you to show up and be present to life. And look, this is just the first sentence. Look at all, all that she said was, you may notice that you have a need for multiple options. And look how down the road I went because as a seven, I understand this. I do, on the surface, I really do like to have a lot of options. But I've kind of learned over the years that sometimes it's best to minimize those options. Um, let me just, let me give you a challenge if you are a seven, okay? I want you to think about some of your favorite things in life, okay? So maybe, maybe you are a seven who collects pocket knives. This happens to be a pocket knife that um, belonged to my father and when he passed away, you know, I, this is one of the things of his that I took. And I don't collect pocket knives, but I have a couple of different pocket knives that sit next to my computer and when I'm doing appointments, at, because I'm a seven, probably, with a little bit of ADD or ADHD, I find myself opening and closing pocket knives. It's kind of like a fidget spinner, you know, uh, but for adults. And so, but I know that my tendency would be to get excited about something as simple as a pocket knife and say, well, I wonder what other kinds of pocket knives are out there. I wonder what other kind of designs there are. And before you know it, because you're investigating and you don't like to not think of anything, you're focused on all the different pocket knives that exist and you're watching videos about what's the best kind of pocket knife and you're ordering them and you're buying them and all the while justifying that what this is a harmless hobby this is just an interest that i have and then before you know it and just ask yourself does this ring true to you if you're a seven before you know it you have a drawer filled with pocket knives and it could be 
a lot of other things besides pocket knives. Just look back at your own life, look at what you're surrounded by, how many times have you kind of gone off the deep end, interested in some item or some items, learning all you can about them, being passionately excited about them, enthusiastic one might say about this item, learning all you can, purchasing all you can, and then you end up with this collection of these items and then let me just ask you this question could you pick a favorite can you pick a favorite or do you have to rotate through multiple different options could you pick a favorite could you select a favorite i just want you to see that for a lot of people out there having one pocket knife is enough and they're completely satisfied with the one they have and never really think, well, maybe there's a better option out there. I need to know everything I can about what's going on in the world of pocket knife making. And I might be missing out on better options or more fantastic or complete options or thorough options or to be the best prepared I could be. For a lot of people, one pocket knife, especially one like this, that has some kind of sentimental attachment to somebody they love would be enough for them. And they would just be happy having one and they would not never even think that I need to learn all I can about the world of, of uh, this gadget and I need to, you know, purchase more of them. Um, so multiple options can at times create um, new experiences, exciting experiences, uh, but just realize that sometimes I think the multiple option thing could keep us from being satisfied in life and keep us focused on what we don't have, which is a great recipe for being unhappy. For our goal of being happy all the time, just realize that focusing always on the items we don't have or the experiences we are not getting to experience is a great recipe for pain and frustration in life. Wouldn't it be good if we could at times let go of the other options? And I just have realized this the hard way about myself, that there are times that I just have to tell myself no. That experiencing pocket knives, for example, through 100 different options uh, is one way to try to enjoy pocket knives. But having one or two that you really love and that are meaningful to you is also a legitimate way, and probably the way most people tend to experience things, it is a legitimate way to experience um, your hobby or interest. And there's a whole lot less anxiety because when it's time to leave, you only have one choice to pick up. And when that one breaks, people then purchase another one. Uh, they move on then. Okay, so when you feel that interest or that intensity, it feels good for a seven to have something to focus on, something to care about, something to get excited about, something to be passionate about, something to learn about, something to purchase, to go after. But it may become more problematic than it really is useful. Um, especially if it's in multiple areas of our life. So having a lot of actions and having many different courses of action. 
Think about how challenging it can be to go into like a university and to select a major and then to stick with that. What if the classes get difficult? What if you run into a few professors that aren't very entertaining and are, are quite challenging or difficult? You might find that seven wanting to get out of this program and switch into that program. And, and it wouldn't surprise me at all, just not only switching programs all the time, but even switching colleges. Not only switching majors, but you know, two years at the University of Iowa, and then six months at uh, you know such and such college, and then that doesn't really feel right either. And then another year uh, exploring the the West Coast or the East Coast, and hiking through the mountains, and then I'll come back to school. And look how hard it can be sometimes to settle down, to stick with things and to to focus and be determined to see things through to the end. You know, when your goal is to have multiple options, what do you do when you don't have multiple options? When you have to stick with something and see it through? That can feel very challenging and very difficult, but it's possible. And there are many things in life that are much better experienced when we see them through, when we make it through those difficulties. I mean, take for example, working in a job. You know, jobs are great and everybody has to have one of some kind or most of us have to have a job of some kind. What about when it gets difficult? What about when it becomes, um, you know, boring or unfulfilling? There is a time and a place when a person needs to take life by the horns and say, you know what, I'm not really feeling fulfilled or I'm surrounded by people that I'm just not able to work with um, and I've tried everything I can or I have this wonderful medicine bag of all these remedies I bring but none of the problems that I'm working on really benefit from my skills or abilities and I'm not feeling very useful here. There is a time and a place when definitely you need to decide, okay, this is not working out, I'm, I'm miserable, I'm unfulfilled, and it's time for me to look for greener pastures. Just notice as a seven, if, if this, uh, you know, is not just um, something that, that happens you know, every once in a while, but notice if this is a pattern for you. Uh, when things just are comfortable, you start to become uh, anxious or frustrated or uh, depressed or discouraged, and you might feel like, I need to escape this. This is not fulfilling. This is, this is not enjoyable anymore. And if I were to really stop and say, okay, what's going on? I may realize that you're not really having any problems at work. It's just you're bored with it. It just doesn't feel exciting anymore. And most people would say that the job has become very comfortable and they would look forward to that. They would be excited that their job has become comfortable and they feel like it's consistent and they feel like they know their work and they know their clients and they know their people. But just realize for you, this could become a signal to you that you need to move on that uh, it's, not a, it's not thrilling, it's not exciting, it's not, uh, it, there's not enough variety. There's a lot of ways in which this might, you know, you might describe this scenario, but just ask yourself, like, do I have a general sense of well-being about life? Do I have a general sense of well-being about my job? Do I feel adequately prepared and trained? And do I feel like, uh, you know, I know what I'm doing and I'm being productive? Do I feel useful and valuable here? You may realize that you don't really need to move on 
It's just you have this impulse within you that wants variety, that wants things to be different, that wants things to change. And it might be much more helpful to consider how could I bring some of that enthusiasm into my work rather than trying to escape my boring old job to do something more exciting. Why can't I bring excitement and enthusiasm back into this work? Is that possible? Um, Yeah, a lot of times it is possible. And maybe I don't need to leave my job or leave, and let's go there, relationships, because relationships could become ordinary. They could become so comfortable. They could become predictable or boring. And you might think, or difficult. Relationships can be quite difficult. Sometimes the people that you love can be the most challenging to get along with. And when those moments happen, are you inclined to think, I need to get out of here. This isn't working. We've grown apart. We just don't have that that you know that excitement we used to have. And so that's a signal that I need to escape. Is it? It might be. Just recognize that that sounds like the kind of stuff that sevens feel. And if your relationships have become challenging or difficult, is it because you're not willing to work through those difficulties? You know, if you don't work through those difficulties, they tend to grow uh, internally. And when you don't have arguments on the outside, you tend to have them on the inside. You tend to have them in your head. And if resentment and bitterness and frustrations or anger, and you may be surprised as a seven how angry you are. I mean, really go for a walk and ask yourself, maybe that feeling I'm having that feels kind of like not satisfied or feels incongruent in some way, maybe that's what other people call anger. Maybe that's what eights and ones call anger. You might be surprised at how frustrated and irritated you have become in life, but it's not maybe within your nature to always acknowledge that. Now, obviously, if you have a seven, if you're a seven with a wing eight, you might be a little bit more willing to acknowledge your frustrations. But I've known many sevens who underneath were quite frustrated, angry people, but they they um, maybe didn't demonstrate that on the outside. Their behaviors were motivated by a frustration or an irritation, but on the outside, they still considered themselves and still thought of themselves as very upbeat and positive and worked really hard to stay upbeat and positive. And it might do us all well to slow down for a minute. Always a good move for a seven. Slow down and let your emotions catch up with you. Um, you slow down and, and, and take some time to process some of these emotions and realize how frustrated you've become or how irritated you've become or how resentful you've become. And let yourself feel these unpleasant feelings and process them a little bit because they're often motivating you to escape or abandon commitments um, and you may not be aware how motivated you have become by these emotions. And if we could process them, maybe we could deal with them and let them go rather than letting them uh, control our lives. Let's say it that way. Okay, what else does she say? We need to, we need to move along here. Uh, she says, see if you tend to move from one option to another. You know, there's a part of me, I've said it before in videos, where I could go into a restaurant and I would like to sample everything on the menu. Uh, even the things I don't like, maybe they'll cook them differently. Maybe they'll make mushrooms or olives in a way that are bearable. And there's a part of me that would like to, how do you choose? 
I, I, this is the first time I've ever been in this restaurant or the 10th time I've ever been in this restaurant. How do I know what the best items are unless I sample all of them? And then my tendency would be then now that we've got this restaurant mastered, we should move on to the next one and sample all these things. I just want you to see though that if we were to approach life like this, you know, yeah, we might be able to determine the things that are the best out there, but we won't necessarily be committed or sustained by any of these things because sampling life is a way to experience life. But what happens, for example, and this could get personal, realize I don't know you, so I'm not trying to pick on you, but just if it feels personal, then maybe this is what you've done. What happens in our life when we sample relationships? Or sample girlfriends or boyfriends or sample wives or husbands? What happens in life when we sample families rather than fully investing or fully engaging? That's two different ways to try to experience marriage or commitment or relationships. And you, you know, the whole point is, is you might get to the end of your life and realize, you know, not being willing to make a commitment and having a fear of being stuck um, and having a fear of limited options has really limited my life in some ways. And now I look back and I don't really have the connections that I hoped I would have in life. I don't really have, you know, 30 years in some, uh, in some workplace or even 20 years in some workplace. I know that's not the only reason to stay with a job, but there is got to be a certain level of satisfaction that comes from sticking with some things in life. Now, again, I'm the first to tell you, if something isn't working for you, then I'm not going to tell you to stick with it. Even, you know, there's a time to quit. There is. There's a time to be done to realize that there's a time to be done. And sometimes I've noticed sevens can sometimes not realize this because they keep reframing everything that eventually it's going to work out. Eventually it's going to be great. Eventually it's going to be fantastic. These people, and that can be a little naive sometimes. And sometimes you have to kind of wake a seven up and be like, you know, these people that you're surrounded yourself with, they're not your friends. They're not good for you. They're pulling you down. They're slowing you down. And no amount of reframing that this relationship is going to eventually be fantastic. If I just show more enthusiasm, it's really going to fix this. There is a time and place to move on. So let's end this with that thought is what criteria will you use to know when you're in one of those moments and when you're just being a seven feeling pulled away from what is to what could be, what might be fantastic, what might be better? How will you know when you are in a legitimate moment where you need to look at reality and quit reframing things positively and you legitimately need to change your relationships, change your job, change careers, change your major in college, change your work environment, change your state you live in. How will you know when this is one of those legitimate times where change actually needs to happen and when you're just feeling bored with life because you are a seven and you could be running away from some of the best things for you just because you want to see what's on the other side of the mountain? Um, or when will you know that you know enough to make a clear decision? And just thinking about that might create some anxiety in your life. 
Um, and we are one of the anxiety ty types. Okay, last thing I'm gonna say, likely avoid feeling limited by anything in life or feeling stuck in life, and you tend to charm those that might uh, try to limit you. Think managers, principals, teachers. You know, sevens can be quite charming. Um, we tend to be a little bit childlike, and uh, we can be very friendly at times, and sometimes we might try to disarm people with our charm. Charm and disarm. And um, it's sort of a soft rebellion. And we've talked about that in other videos and we'll talk about it in the future. But you know, where sixes or eights, you know, could be quite obviously rebels uh, to the infrastructure or the powers that be. Sevens tend to like the Fresh Prince, you know, if you've ever watched that show, a seven, you know, sevens might tend to disarm people with charm in order to escape the limitations or escape the boundaries that exist for everybody else. All right, guys, thank you for sticking with me through this video. I hope it's helpful and I hope you're willing to confront your tendency to always have multiple options in front of you and to realistically consider that sometimes that might limit you. All right, guys, thanks and as always, be present to life. I'll see you next time.